chance to feel like heroes too Forever we'll win And if we should lose We know someday we'll go all the way Yeah, someday we'll go all the way Welcome back to Holy Cow, the Cubs podcast My guest today is D.B. Firstman They have written a new book about just wild names in baseball history called Hall of Name. And DB is a Mets fan, so I asked them a little bit about the Mets and what they're going to do this year. I asked them about the Cubs because, you know, this is still a Cubs podcast, but and just what they're going to do this year. But it was a really interesting conversation. A lot of funny baseball stories, so here is DB. Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm glad to have you on. Thanks for having me. All right, so I guess we'll just, we're going to talk about your, your book later, Hall of Name. Oh, okay. But uh, first we'll just do, since this is a Cubs podcast, I'll just, and you're not a Cubs fan, so I can get your outside <laughs> opinion. Um, what do you think about the Cubs coming into this year? Um, well, they seem to be a little financially constrained and, um, they could, you know, they, they don't really know what they're going to do for a leadoff batter. I guess it's Chris Bryant, which seems an interesting choice. Um, and you Darvish has looked more healthy than he's been in about a year or so. So that's a good thing. Um, it's gonna. It's a competitive division that they're in. Um, they, um, I, I would think they're good for ninety wins at least. Um, you know, you've got the Reds and you've got um, the Cardinals, who are you know definitely um, you know going to be contenders for the Central Crown. But the Cubs, um, the Cubs should be there. Um, there's no reason to think they're going to have a down year. I, I, I don't consider them a nationally pennant. A contender, but they they should be able to vie for the Central Division title. Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm thinking too. Going into the year, that's a pretty good. And like you know, Brian's got a good you know career on base percentage. So mm-hmm. be, I guess the worst thing in the world to hit him lead off. And if you know you believe in the saber metric idea of have your best hitters at the top of the lineup, then going Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez top three. Hitters isn't the worst idea, so I'm I'm open to seeing what it, if it works. Right. Um, generally speaking, I like to uh, if I have a choice, I'd rather have the high on base guy be a guy who gets most of his on base percentage via the walk, so that you're not you know sort of wasting base hits at the top of the lineup. Um, especially in the National League when you have the you know the pitcher batting ninth, and so there's probably not going to be too many men on base. I'd rather have a, a guy who walks 100 times and hits 250 as opposed to the guy who hits 320 but only walks 40 times. You know, but that's that's just that's just that's just a style question in terms of who do you want for your leadoff batter. Um, but Bryant certainly can take a walk and uh, he occasionally steals a base too. I think. Yes, he he has been known to steal a base and. Of course, like what you were talking about, a 250 hitter that steals 100, you know, gets 100 walks. That Cubs had a guy like that, Dexter Fowler, and <laughs> the team worked pretty well that year they had him. So, wouldn't mind I, a guy like that. 
Yeah, but Dexter, yeah, this year's version of Dexter Fowler is no, nowhere to be found. So, uh, and the, the real life Dexter Fowler has dropped off uh, considerably since then. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they, uh, it's going to be an interesting um, situation in, in in Wrigley Field. You know, they've done all this renovation for for the stadium. Um, they've got the whole new marquee network. I, I've heard about. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of a uh, ancillary excitement about the team, and you know Joe Madden has has moved on. So um, there's going to be a lot of a lot of discussion, um, food for fodder, you know, a lot of fodder <laughs> um, for the Cub fans this this summer. It should be an interesting year for them. Yes. All right. So let's one more before we get to your book, which is it's just a great idea for a book. I look through it a little bit and it's really interesting but before that uh you are a Mets fan so uh-huh. how are the Mets doing you got that great rotation but you feeling good about the Mets this year or until the Wilpons are gone you'll never feel good <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I, I I don't know about Wilpons and I don't know about Brody Van Wagenen's moves um I, I think they they got a, a tremendous year out of a, a few different players last year. I mean, J.D. Davis came over and hit 310 with 20 home runs, and I don't know if he's going to be able to do that again. Uh, Pete Alonso, you worry about the sophomore slump. Um, and, but, and they lost Zach Wheeler. Um, and I don't think... That you know, I, I, is he is he worth 118 million over five years? Probably not. But they should have. Apparently, they didn't even make an offer to him, which I think is a is a really bad maneuver on their part. I mean, they went out and got Marcus Stroman, bec- and they got him early, you know, early in, in before the trade deadline, um, because they were thinking they were not going to re-sign Wheeler. Stroman would step in. Um, that being said, um, you know, you, you know what you have in DeGrom. You don't know what you have in Syndergaard. Um, he, he has all the physical talent in the world, and yet he has not really put, put it together, uh, whether it's a, a you know, mismatch with the catcher, you know, Wilson Ramos, and, you know, or he doesn't like throwing to Ramos, or... I, I don't know what the situation, the, the circumstances with with Syndergaard, but his physical tools suggest that there is another level for him. And if he could reach that level be- between he and Degrom, the Mets would be right in there in terms of the National League East. Um, they certainly have enough offense, even without Cespedes coming back. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if. You know, Alonzo's got 53 homers in him again, but even if he hits 35 with in batting 260, you know, you would take that. What you what you have in Cano, uh, I you know personally, I I I think that's just dead weight on 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 Mets team. I think it's a dead contract. Um, just play Jeff McNeil at second base all all year. Um, Cano really doesn't his you know even his defense has declined considerably since his heyday. So I don't know what he really can offer. Um, Ahmed Rosario is a, is a, 
is growing into the star that we thought he could be. And then, um, they, you know, they have the third base situation. They're going to play McNeil there. Um, it's not the typical, pro, you know, baseball profile from an offense standpoint, but, but it could work. And the outfield, uh, the outfield is um, interesting. It's it's Nimmo and Marisnik and Conforto and JD Davis and you know if Cespedes comes back, you know they they're going to put runs up on the board. It's a question of you know and, and they retooled the bullpen. They they signed Dylan Patances. They you know they Edwin Diaz is back and he certainly can't be as bad as he was the prior year. Um, and so it's going to be an interesting year for the Mets. I think. You know, they're going to win 80, 85, 88 games. And the question is, if Syndergaard and some of the other pitchers step up, if Stroman has a really good year, they could they could end up being, you know, the National League East champs. But it's going to take it's going to take a couple of special years from from the starting pitchers. Yeah. So both Cubs and the Mets in a similar spot. They, yes, they're going I to think be so. About, you know, 85, 88 wins if they can get over. Things go right, maybe get over 90. So, right, right, right. So, now we'll get to your book. Okay, Uh, Hall of of Name. It comes out later this month. And I mean, it's it's a great, you know, you watch baseball games, and certain players have interesting names. Like, you get a lot of, you know, typical names, and then you get some odd names that come over the come up to bat or come on the mound, and you're thinking, what is the deal with this guy? (laughs) <laughs> where did this name come from? Right. And yeah, you basically have a book where you look into some of these interesting player names throughout the years. I'll just let you give your little spill and I'm sure you've done this a few times on just the idea <laughs> behind your book. Well, um the the book grew out of a um I, I had a I have a blog, Value Over Replacement Grid. It's been running since two thousand eleven. And occasionally on the blog, I would do player profiles of great names in baseball history. And I would, you know, go into the etymology of their name and how they got their name, whether it was parents or, you know, some some funny story behind their name. And then profile their careers and, and, you know, anagrams of their names and names that sound like their names, but aren't their names. And... It became a regular feature of my blog, and I thought it might be an, a nice idea for a book. And I went to a couple of um, small publishers, baseball-related publishers, um, and they said, this was back in like 2012, and I, I said, you know, I, I pitched the idea for the book, and they said, personally, we, we'd love the idea for the book, but we don't think it's going to sell. And so I, you know, stashed that idea away. And in the six or seven years since then, the self-publishing world has really uh, blossomed. You know, everybody, anybody who's anybody can, you know, with with some sort of computer knowledge and some, uh, you know, layout and design skills can become a, uh, can publish their own book. And so come around to 2008, uh, the end of 2018, I was looking for something to, to write about, and I thought uh, it's time to it's time to resurrect the idea of the Great Names book. And so I decided I was going to self-publish it. 
Um, I found a illustrator for the book cover uh, online through Twitter. I have a friend um, who uh, designs and lay does layout for books as a profession. So he did the layout for the book for me. And um, I just went through the Laman Baseball database and, and looked for every odd name I could find. And I, I whittled it down to about 100 of them. I chose 100 that um, had their careers already ended, so it would be easier to research them. I didn't have to worry about what they did in 2019. And so I researched them via um, baseball reference, via Wikipedia, and I relied a lot on um, the um what's called the Baseball Bio Project on the Sabre website, which um, Sabre researchers basically um, do uh, a tremendous job profiling all sorts of different players from all, all different eras. There are over 5,000 profiles on the website. It's, uh, it's a, it was a great resource for me for players who didn't really have a lot of other material written about them. So um, the book came together pretty quickly. Um, it took about ooh, about seven months to put to, uh, put on paper, and then another six or so months in terms of proofing and getting the forward and getting the forward and getting the back cover blurb and uh, finalizing the cover. And now it's now it's ready for now it's ready for its big debut. Well, I, I read over some of the book, and there's a couple of names that I, players I particularly like, um, probably because I remember them from when they played, but uh, first of all, the first name in the book, uh, Boof Bonzer. That's which, right. I mean, come on, a great name. A great but, name. A twins pitcher, but uh, just, it's just like, and you give the story of like how they got their name and, you know, even their, their given name, the history of that what like countries it came from and yeah it's really great you give like a little bio of every player but yeah i really like boot bonzer and of course coco crisp was right. probably the most well-known and um you know again he was named after i'll give that one away off the cereal box right coco crispies that he his sister thought he looked like the character on the front of the box so but um <laughs> what are some of your favorites um, I'm, I'm partial, well, I'm partial to some names because of the stories behind the names. For example, there was a, a guy who was a, who had a, who was a good prospect for the Orioles back in the early 1980s. He had a cup of coffee with him. He had lasted like six games. His name was Drungo Hayeswood. Now the story behind Drungo is he was the eighth out of 10 children born to this couple. And when his mother was pregnant with him and about to give birth to him, she organized a foot race for the first seven children to the hospital. And she said, whoever won the foot race to the hospital would get to name the baby. So one of the kids wins the foot race, names the child that was just born Drungo, because it happens to be the, the the kid's best friend's last name. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and the parents were like, yeah, that, that yeah. works for us. 
Yeah, that's, that, you know, pick a name out of a hat. Okay, we're going to go with Drongo Hayeswood. That is a, a, perfect, a perfectly weird story. And it's similar in, in, uh, in nature to a former Mets prospect named Lastings Millage. Lastings got his name from his mother, who insisted that Lastings was going to be the final child she had, hence Lastings. So, you know, there are tons of stories like that in the book, and I managed to track down the etymology and the, the stories behind practically all of them. Um, some, were, some were pretty easy to find. Some, you know, you had to go through newspapers.com or, um, you know, ancestry.com or, you know, just happen to, like I said, the Baseball Bio Project on, on the Sabre website. So it was a real, a real pip to discover the stories behind those names. And, um, you know, so, yeah, uh, Drungo Hayeswood and, and Lastings Millage are, are two of my favorites. I should add, too, that there's a, another section of the book, because, of course, if we're doing, you know, weird names of baseball players, you have to have ones that, don't, that are inappropriate sounding. Of so course. There's that section of the book, too. Yes. Um, so it's it's the dirty names done dirt cheap, uh, and oh, an homage to uh, ACDC. Um, <laughs> and so we have players like uh, um, Johnny Dickshot, Jack Glasscock. Um, uh, there, there's a whole there's a whole bunch. Gene Crap, Charlie Manlove. I mean, there's there's um, JJ Putz, and be careful how you say his last name. It's not Putz, it's Putz. Um, you know, so and there's uh, Rusty Kuntz. It's not Kuntz, it's Kuntz. Mm-hmm. So let's be careful how we pronounce their names. But if you pronounce it incorrectly, it really does sound like it's a dirty it's a dirty thing. Yes, and I will say that when he played, I did call him JJ Putz. So. Yeah, sure and sometimes sometimes he deserved it. Yes, but yeah, no, it's, it's great, and um, yeah, the, no, there's lots of great stories in there, and yeah, uh, there are a few Cubs players. I was, you know, I had to look out for the Cubs players. Um, of course, on Pagan, uh-huh. who was Cub for a brief time. That was an interesting one too. I mean, that was more like an oxymoron, angel and pagan in the same right, name. right, exactly. So yeah. that, that was that was a fun one, and I, I think I believe he was the the player who hit the inside the park game winning uh, home run, and basically as as a member of the Giants. Um, so yeah, it was a triple he's, play, he's, yeah, he's, triple play, and inside the park home run in the same game. Yeah, that's that's him. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the, the odds on that must have been astronomical. Uh, quite, quite, quite so. So um, I, I don't know anything else that you want to add about your book, but it, it's very interesting. It's a very good book. Well, so, well, thank you. Thank you. Um, we have a forward written by um, Jason Stark, the Hall of Fame writer for The Athletic, who just made the Hall of Fame uh, writer's wing last year. Uh, we have a back cover blurb from John Thorne, the official historian of Major League Baseball. Uh, the book is available on Amazon and on um, BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, it is uh, still in pre-order status. It officially gets published on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, so less than two weeks away. 
And uh, it's my first book, but hopefully not my last. I, I have ideas of writing a sequel to this book, but I'm going to take some time and enjoy this one and, and soak in soak, soak in the, the, the plaudits that I might receive for, for writing this one. Yeah, that's pretty pretty good that you, your forward's written by Jason Stark, and then he makes the Hall of Fame while you're working on the book. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, Jason, uh, I, I, I have a nice relationship with Jason. We, we, are, uh, we were acquaintances going back maybe 10 or 15 years. Uh, when he was still working for ESPN, he would write his useless information column, and I would send him stuff of, of weird things that happened on the baseball field. And, you know, sometimes he would quote me in, in his columns. And then um, he, when he started to have questions related to player names and weird things like, you know, the, the, the pitcher, the opposing pitchers have rhyming last names. Has that ever happened before? And he really he understood that uh, that was the kind of thing that that I like to research. That I was into names and I was into quirky stuff like this. So he would call he would not call me, but he would, you know, you know, either email me or Twitter or you know, in some way, some way, get get in touch with me and say, has this ever happened? So I've I've helped him out on a few different uh, columns over the years. And so I, I called in a favor for, you know, for the book. I just said, you know, could you, could you, would you write a forward for the book? And he was more than happy to. And Jason, Jason is just a, a wonderful individual. He's extremely helpful. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's, he's just a, a great writer and a, a very funny guy. Yeah. So now I'll, I'll let you kind of, you were talking about your blog and stuff, but just, where can we find you on the internet? Okay, uh, I am at Dianagram, D-I-A-N-A-G-R-A-M on Twitter. Uh, the blog is called Value Over Replacement Grit.com. Um, the book is Hall of Name, available on Barnes & Noble and Amazon and uh, maybe someday in a real brick-and-mortar bookstore, but for now, just online. Uh, we are hopefully going to have a EPUB Kindle version of the book coming out uh, in a few months. But, you know, right now we're focusing on the print edition. And, um, you know, that's that's pretty much where you can find me. I'll, I, you know, I once in a while I'll be on Instagram, but mostly on Twitter. And uh, if you know Dianagram, you know, you'll, you'll find me. All right. Well, and maybe if the Cubs are playing the Mets and the playoffs this year i'll have you back on for preview of that or something that sounds like a great idea i'd, I'd, I'd really appreciate that all right thank you for coming on all right thank you you can follow me on twitter at sth85 the podcast is on the apple podcast app stitcher and spotify if there's anywhere else you want to you know get the podcast if somewhere you listen just let me know um you can email the podcast at holycowpod at gmail.com. It was like that. You can also tweet at me. Uh, the season's coming up now. We're only a couple weeks away, so uh, there'll be more episodes. I will have a season preview, and, you know, we're really getting into the games. We're going to have stuff to talk about. And uh, just thank you, as always, for listening.